Happy New Year. New Year, new you, is it? Getting fit, are you? Today, we visit a boxing gym in Oldham and meet Eric, who is building muscle, stamina and people. This is the Manchester Weekly from the mill. Hello there, I'm Daryl Morris. Yoshi Herman is the editor of The Mill, Greater Manchester's quality newspaper, delivered by email. Yoshi, hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, it's good to be back on the show, our first ever sort of starting January together as a pair on the podcast. How are you feeling? I wouldn't want it any other way, Yoshi. Any other way. (laughs) Uh, We'll get you briefed in a sec with some of the big stories in Greater Manchester this week. But we start the year as we mean to go on, Yoshi, don't we, and meet a man in Oldham who is right at the heart of his community this week. Yeah, that's right. And Jack Walton, ever since he started writing for us, he's sort of had a real knack for finding these stories. We had the great one that he did in Salford with the gardening project about a month ago. And now we've got him in Oldham doing this one. And he's just got this ability to find these sort of community projects where people are putting their skills and their experience to really good use. And I think it's the type of story that you often don't get quite enough of in the media. You get a lot of fear and you get a lot of stories about how things are going wrong and why we should be worried about this and worried about that and angry about this and angry about that. And I think Jack Walton's got a real knack for finding stories where you're like, oh, wow, we're actually surrounded by really good and decent people who are making you know, our local communities better. So I like this one. I like these type of stories in general. Lovely. Okay, we'll catch up with Jack shortly. Firstly, let's get to your briefing then. Here's what you need to know this week. And the ongoing spread of COVID and Omicron in Greater Manchester this week, Yoshi, has seen Greater Manchester hospitals announce that they are delaying some care. It was described to us that January is going to be a very difficult month for public services in Greater Manchester, given the position with staff sickness and absence due to isolation. You've been looking at the data on this, haven't you, Yoshi? And it shows a fairly mixed picture. Yeah, COVID-19 rates are still rising in Greater Manchester as they are across the country, and they are extraordinarily high. We're seeing increases across all 10 Greater Manchester boroughs, and these are case numbers at a level that we just, we just haven't seen anything like this thus far in the pandemic. These are numbers that are way above anything that we've seen before. I mean, we're talking about higher case rates than we've seen in the entire pandemic, with the slight caveat that at the beginning we didn't have mass testing, so we didn't really know what the rates would have been then. What's happening is those rates are now rising among over 60s as well. But most of December, rates were very, very high among the under 60s. And now they're very, very high among the over 60s as well. So that's something to think about. There are also rising hospital admissions. They're not stratospheric. They're nothing like we saw in February, but clearly they are on the up and have been for the past couple of weeks. What's interesting is that the critical care numbers are still incredibly stable. Remarkably stable is actually how Andy Burnham put it in his press conference this week. And overall bed occupancy in in our hospitals is just under 90%. So this decision to delay some non-urgent appointments and non-urgent procedures, you know, it's, it's not quite as much of a news story as it's been made out in some courses. You know, NHS officials were already saying in December and before that, look, we're, we're having to put off some 
non-urgent appointments. People who've got cancer, people who've got important diagnostic appointments, they are still going to get have those. I think it's important not to put people off from going into the hospital when they've got really serious things. People should still go to hospital. The NHS actually put out a bit of a kind of warning locally just before Christmas or a bit of a, a press release saying, you know, please if you've got cancer, if you've got these symptoms, do still come into hospital. But some people will be hearing from hospitals that their appointments and their tests have been put back and that, that will obviously be disappointing for people. So I think it's important to try and have a balance between, yes, cases are still rising, yes, admissions are rising. We're not yet seeing a increase in at all in the number of people in critical care. We're not seeing an increase at all in the number of COVID-19 deaths. But there has been this announcement around, you know, hospital pressure. And a big part of that is the fact that 15% of local NHS staff are either sick because they are, you know, with COVID or they're absent because of COVID having to isolate that sort of thing. So there's clearly a lot of pressure. There's always a hell of a lot of pressure on the NHS at this time of year. I mean, I was looking at some bed occupancy numbers for the past few years before COVID, which are, you can't perfectly compare because hospitals have had to break up into different sections for COVID and non-COVID wards, etc. But, you know, it's the case that normally at this time of year, there is very, very high pressure on hospitals. I think I counted more than 30 hospital trusts in the in the, the sort of winter of 2018-19 had bed occupancy on average in acute and general over 95%. So this is a thing we have, have every year. The staffing thing makes it worse this year. Okay, uh, important context for that. You've also got your eye on an inquest into the deaths of a mother and her two daughters in Bolton as well, Yoshi. Yeah, this is a really sad case. And sometimes you have to wait a long time to find out what really happened in these cases. And sometimes you get the answer quite quickly. This is Tiffany Stevens, who is 27. She died in her home in Bolton alongside her daughters. Uh, one of them was one um, and one of them was three. And there is an inquest this week looking into what caused these deaths. A pre-inquest review hearing at Bolton Coroner's Court sort of heard that, and I quote, evidence suggests that Tiffany may have ended the lives of Darcy and Casey Lee, who are her daughters. So this is going to be a difficult case, I think, to read about and to learn about. Jack, our reporter, um, Jack Dilhanty, is going along to the inquest tomorrow. We'll have a member's story delving into it a little bit next week. Tiffany Stevens' death is not being treated as suspicious. So this is going to be, a, a, I think, you know, a case that's worth people reflecting on. And, and it's one of those crime ones where I think you, you always, you know, you want to know a little bit more about the background. And that's what we're going to try and find out. Okay, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Manchestermill.co.uk is where you subscribe as we follow that story in the next couple of weeks. As well as that, Yoshi, we are, and will be for a while, no doubt, taking stock of the impact of the last couple of years, including the last couple of weeks, an iconic restaurant that's closed its doors. Yeah, that's right. So Cosmos Taverna, I've actually never been. It was a very popular Fallowfields um, Greek restaurant on Wilmslow Road. It'd been going for 40 years. And this one struck me, I was reading it over the Christmas break, and I thought it was worth talking about because... It's one of the really tangible signs of how the pandemic has affected businesses when you see a restaurant that's been going for 40 years closing. It's not like the kind of, oh, a restaurant's been going for two years and it closed, which happens all the time. Like this is a, you know, a real fixture of this particular community. A lot of students went there and the owner of it, 
Palula Aston spoke to the MEN and she said, and I quote, the last two years with COVID-19 and all the restrictions, the business has dropped dramatically and I had to introduce money from my savings to keep the business afloat. And she also talked about how she's got staff there who've worked together for decades. You know, she said two of my old staff, my chef, my waiter have been with me for 25 years, but in the end I had no choice. So a really sad story. And, you know, I think we might see more of this because businesses got quite a bit of support last year in terms of furlough, which meant that they could keep staff on, you know, without having to pay all their salaries or or all of the rates that they were giving them. I think what we'll probably see in the next few months is more and more businesses, now that a lot of the different forms of government support have been withdrawn, it wasn't just furlough, of course, we will see what sort of impact the fact that these business owners have had to go into their savings, they've had a reduction in demand, they've had another terrible um, December, January period. So very sad and I think probably emblematic of a broader sort of business trend we'll see among restaurants, bars, that sort of thing. It's a real shame that, isn't it? And like you, I know this place. I'm really sad of its demise, but I've also never been. And and maybe that's part of the problem as well, isn't it? (laughs) To a degree. If those of us who were really sad about it went more, (laughs) it might help. Well, I know what you mean. I mean, I I think the whole thing about these sort of iconic local businesses is, you know, they do get sort of mourned after their deaths. And it's a bit like with people, you think, well, actually, you have to patronise them, you have to frequent them, you have to go to them, particularly at times when, you know, when other people are not. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a sad story, that. Okay, Yoshi for now, thank you. We hear a lot about how divided we are, don't we? Oldham has been used as a poster child for community conflict, so much so that Nigel Farage referenced it in a speech in the US in 2019. He said there were streets where one side was black and the other was white. Well, Oldham hit back. More specifically, a boxing gym in Oldham hit back. Oldham boxing and personal development is bringing people together, building community, building spirit and building muscle. The Mills' Jack Walton went along to meet the people at the gym. Jack, hi. Hi. Set the scene, Jack. Take me to Oldham Boxing and Personal Development. What's it like? Yeah, so this is a boxing gym in Oldham set up by a guy called Eric Noy. Used to be a boxer himself, super middleweight, toured all round Europe, um, amateur, but very, very successful at that level. And yeah, about a decade ago, he set up this boxing gym specifically for recovering addicts. So he'd been hired on a sort of consultancy basis to look into the drug situation in Oldham, which was very bad at the time, particularly with heroin. And then since then, the club sort of expanded out from that that, uh, origin point of helping recovering addicts, as I say. And it's become a sort of entire community hub which binds people together around this theme of boxing. And as Eric was very much keen to stress to me throughout my entire visit there, this is not just uh, spit and sawdust. This is all about psychology and, and self-improvement and about, um, yeah, sort of being the best you you can be, if you want to use that slightly trite phrase. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Tell me about Eric himself, because his story is really fascinating in itself, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, so Eric's from Mossside originally, but he grew up on the Langley estate. And, you know, I suppose his childhood was surrounded by a lot of violence, crime, as those overspill estates were at that time. And I think he had a lot of siblings, and they were sort of hauled into that world of petty crime and, you know, small-time violence, if you like. But Eric was able to navigate that through boxing. When you look back at it now... uh like I say, I call it armour, street armour. So yeah. in some areas you have to have your armour on. 
if you have your armour on, you're going to get terrorised, or you become the terroriser. Boxing allowed me to navigate that a lot better. And obviously, like I said, he had success in his career as a boxer. He went to university as well, became a research chemist. He worked on the Youth Justice Board. So he's done all these various things before um, setting up the club. And then eventually he's, you know, almost uh, the, the culmination of his life's work, you know, drawing from all those different experiences, the boxing, but also the, the upbringing. And he's pulled that together in this club. And it's, it's just been a massive success that's gone from, from strength to strength over its life course. Wow. I mean, he's clearly a very smart guy, isn't he? Who could have ended up in a bad place, but has ended up in a great one. And he's helping people. And this hub in Oldham, Jack, as you found out, is full of great characters, isn't it? You met Charlie. Who's Charlie? Yeah, so Charlie was uh, one of Eric's sort of original people that he helped, really. Charlie had been a, a heroin addict uh, in Oldham. He was sort of living destitute from his late teens, I think, to his sort of late 30s. So he had this long time addiction and saw a lot of you know people who he used with i guess die or you know fall on extremely hard times he uh, had a daughter who he became sort of not completely estranged from but he, he was kept at arm's length from if you like and then after about 20 years of heroin use he finally made the step to get himself into rehab get himself to clean try and turn his life around but after that, he came back out and he returns to Oldham, which he said that most people said to him at the time, you know, his family and his, his friends and whatnot, you know, you go back to Oldham, you will fall back into those same patterns. And, he, you know, he accepts now that that was, that was probably quite a strong likelihood. But thankfully, that sort of his return to Oldham coincided with Eric setting up the club. And they'd sort of half known each other from their upbringing on the Langley estate. Charlie was from the same area. And so he got himself into Eric's club. He got onto Eric's tutelage, if you like. And then sort of Eric almost, I don't know, almost like managed his entire life. You know, helped him with his relationships, helped him with his money, helped him with his mental health, obviously helped him to stay away from heroin. You know, he's basically become one of Eric's uh, huge success stories. He, you know, he doesn't do so much work with the um, the club now. He's a little bit older, but ten years ago he was a he'd become a coach at the club, so he was uh, training people boxing. He was working, uh, making money, and he won the Pride of Oldham Award in 2010, I think, and that was particularly funny because. The person whose competition he beat out to the award uh, was Eric himself. Really? Wow. <laughs> Excellent. That's funny. And you talk about Eric in this piece, Jack, you talk about people like Charlie being pulled to one side for an Eric pep talk. I mean, he is right at the heart of this, isn't he? And sort of this sense of this place bringing people together, Jack. Yeah. I mean, it, he would be keen to stress that this is a community. It's not about one person, but... Certainly his influence is everywhere and it's just funny, you almost, you speak to people there who are, you know, sort of 17 or, 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 you know, a bit younger, who you wouldn't expect to have that much confidence and they almost speak like Eric, you know, you, this, this sort of confidence and this intensity and this, I don't know, desire for self-improvement almost rubs off on everyone in the club. And so people have got this sort of confidence and forwardness that sort of belies their years in that sense, which is kind of funny. And they all certainly look up to him as, as a mentor figure. I mean, I think in the piece I refer to him as a sort of a local boxing sage. And that's almost how he is. One man who I spoke to, Stephen Ferguson, who he did a lot of help for, said to me that like you go into any other boxing club, you know, 
amateur boxing club in the country and they're all pretty much the same you sort of know what you're going to get but Eric's was the sort of it's the outlier there's so much focus on you as a person and he gets into your life so much in that sense that you know it really does set it out so what do your personal development courses what do they focus on no focus if, if we can help if we can add value we'll do it be it employment be it yeah. kind of counseling be it kind of well-being yeah there's a nice quote from Charlie, wasn't there, Jack? I think at the end of the piece where he said that most of his money in his younger days would have gone into his veins. Now he's got so much money in his account, he doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Charlie was Charlie was a great guy, a really funny guy. But that was the truth. I mean, it's like I say, it's, it's sort of expanded out from that focus just on um, users now. But that at the beginning was very much what, what it was there for. And, you know, within its first sort of like three or four years, I think it helped over 400 recovering addicts which is pretty crazy, really, and I suppose shows you the extent of the problem that was there in and around Oldham at the time, and, you know, probably still is to a degree, but or to a large degree, but, um, but also the extent to which they were able to um, to help people um, overcome that, and that's, that's pretty incredible. Fascinating. How did you find it, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I really uh, took to Eric as a person. There's no doubt he is intense. You know, you have to be sort of <laughs> conversing with him is a bit like a, a boxing match in itself, you know? <laughs> He's... Very well read, speaks intellectually, and he keeps you on your toes. You know, you, you, you can't afford slips in the conversation. He, he puts pressure on you. And even, like I say, when I, when I spoke to the a few of the other people who he, was, who he was training, even younger people, they were very much the same. They were sort of perennially sort of almost uh, psychoanalyzing me as I was trying to <laughs> interview them, which was kind of uh, intense but pretty amusing at the same time. But, yeah, he was a great guy, and there's, you couldn't look past the massive influence that he's had in that community. And the way in which he's been able to help people is incredible. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much. Okay, Yoshi, how are we starting the new year in the mill? What's going on, my friend? Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. Starts of the year, people are picking up on stories that they did last year and planning new ones. Um, Jack Dilhanty's just joined on staff, which is amazing because he's been a, a great writer for us for the past few months. We've got Jack's piece that you've just been talking about coming up this weekend. So people who want like a little bit more detail on that, I want to read the, the written version and see some of the pictures should have a look at our weekend read. And then next week, you know, we've got a really interesting story that Molly's been looking at. There were reports of a South Manchester stalker a man who was terrorizing women in South Manchester last year. And Molly's actually spent ages kind of trying to get to the bottom of what that's all about and, and who it's impacted and um, how it's been reported in the MEN. So we're hoping to have something on that next week. It's a busy start to the year. Really interesting. Let's, uh, as we do every week on the podcast, nod you in the direction of something to do in around Greater Manchester. My nod for this week, uh, Yoshi, is the Glade of Light Memorial that's been opened this week in Manchester Cathedral Gardens, just around Manchester Cathedral. This is to the 22 who lost their lives at the Arena of Bombing in May 2017. Really, really nice thing right in the centre of the city, a white marble halo with the names of the 22 people set in bronze around it. And I spoke to Figa Murray, who is Martin Hett's mum recently, and she was talking about how each day is things are getting a little bit easier for her. She's been doing, she was honoured actually recently in the New Year's honours list and has qualified with a degree in counterterrorism recently as well. So it's really channeling her energy into some good. And I, I said, you know, do these things, do these moments make it easier for you? 
And she said that she has a picture of Martin on her mantelpiece in her living room. And every morning she comes down and she opens the curtains and she asks herself, is this the day that I'm going to be able to look at this picture of Martin? And as yet, it hasn't happened. But moments like this, no doubt, where people come together and him and the 22 are honoured will surely help her on that journey. Really worth a visit if you get the chance to be in the city centre by Manchester Cathedral, have a look at the Glade of Light Memorial. What else is going on, Yoshi? I thought I'd recommend a, a novel, actually, since a lot of people are having to spend time at home at the moment, you know, isolating. This week, we did a member's story about the author W.G. Sebald, who's a German novelist, who's, I think a lot of people consider him one of the great writers of the 20th century. That, you know, he sort of quite divides opinion because his style is so digressive. You know, some of his books like almost don't have paragraphs. They're almost like you know, running on and on, like his thoughts are sort of coming out of his mind in, in real time. The book that got me into Sebald was a book called Austerlitz, which is this brilliant novel about a man who goes back and learns about his, you know, escaping Czechoslovakia during the Holocaust. And it's a, a beautifully written, but sort of very loosely written, sort of without too much formal structure or style. That's the one that got me into him. But I, the one I'd recommend people read is The Emigrants, which we wrote, had a member's story about this week. Bits of it are set in Manchester and sort of Manchester sort of looms large in that book. So do go and read the piece we published and do pick up that novel if you're sitting at home and, and you want something good to read. Lovely. Good nod, the emigrants. Okay. Yoshi, for now, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks to Jack as well. And don't forget, plenty more of this in your inbox. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you subscribe for quality news and in-depth interviews direct to your email inbox. And you could do us a Christmas favour as well, a New Year's resolution, if you will, to like and subscribe and leave a comment as well. It helps other people find the Manchester Weekly from the Mill. And we'll be back with more next week. 